Hey, boozers. Hello. It's Gabe. And it's Alexis. And we finally have a part two for our... um, Ken and Barbie killers. Yes. Also known as Carla Holmica and Paul Bernardo. So. They make me sick. We are going to recap quite a bit because I want to go over a lot of more details that the book didn't give us. And I want to just make sure that if someone didn't listen to part one, um, which was supposed to be a mini episode, but it turned into a longer episode. And then we figured out that it's a lot bigger than what I thought it was. And so we're doing this one. So don't worry if you haven't listened to part one. We're going to recap everything and we're going to pretty much do the whole case all over again with a final ending to it all. Dun, dun, dun. So without further ado, without further ado, grab a drink and let's, let's get, get cracking. All right, so a couple weeks ago, like I said, we did a longer mini um, for the Ken and Barbie killers, which is also known as like either one, the Scarborough Rapists, um, or Paul and Carla Bernardo. Now, when we left off, we were at the part where um, Paul wanted a virgin because he was unable to take Carla's um, virginity and deflower her, um, and he didn't believe that was right. So he decided that he wanted to go with uh, Carla's younger sister, Tammy. And Ooh, by the way, what was she like, 14? Yes. Hmm. Yeah. Um, and somehow the authorities claimed that her death was an accident. Um, after this, this is when their killing really took off. They claimed two more victims, two or three. I kept getting mixed, um, things when I was going through and like researching all of this, because I'm pretty sure when we watched the, um, documentary, didn't they say it was three more? Because was, one of them was a Jane Doe. Well, the Jane Doe was underage, so they couldn't name her. Oh, okay. But and she survived. But yeah. Yes. There, there was two murders, and so technically three more victims in total. Okay. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So then the two murders. Um. So the first one was fourteen-year-old Leslie Mahaffey. And then the second one was in April of 1992, and that was 15-year-old Kristen French. And not only did they brutally rape and kill these children, they were children, they also filmed it. Yeah, they were known as like like the devil's tapes or something like that on the documentary, and there was five tapes, I think, in total. Yeah, and honestly, I don't even know like what's worse the fact that they raped them and killed them and like not only like carla's sister but like the two other girls that are around the same age and they fucking filmed it 
yeah they wanted to relive it they yeah. wanted they wanted a memento like Sick every like every psychotic like murderer or rapist they always take a memento and this was how they did it was they filmed it so they could just keep reliving it fucking sick dude Ugh, i can't so i just kind of want to go over like the victims again um so that way everybody's caught up on everything so i know it's going to be hard to listen to but make sure like if you didn't listen to part one make sure we're paying attention so that way you're not confused on how many victims he does have yeah and it's super graphic too so just i know we put like a warning on the first episode but like a warning on this one too for you know if you have any triggers with like sexual assault rape just you know molestation of a child i would tune out of this episode i'd stop here while you could yes i would 100 percent do that so their first victim is going to be carla's little sister tammy now i did not know this and i'm pretty sure that the documentary didn't even mention this but in july of 1990 carla with the help of paul drugged her younger sister tammy uh served her a meal of spaghetti laced with the um uh, what is it valium that they stole from the veterinary, the veterinary office. office and paul briefly ended up violating tammy but she ended up regaining consciousness i did not know that yeah so twice they sexually assaulted her and she just unfortunately end up dying the second time yes so like i said that was the first time which the book didn't mention that at all so that was like the first time me reading it um and then it was several months later december 23rd of 1990 um the couple again drugged tammy who was unaware of the first assault that had happened to her using spiked eggnog yeah this was on christmas you guys her whole family was there Mm -hmm. so um both paul and carla ended up sexually sexually assaulting tammy while she was unconscious and the couple ended up like hatching plans prior to this because paul ended up becoming obsessed with tammy which is Carla's little sister. And again, Carla wasn't the virgin. And Paul didn't think it was right because he didn't get to deflower her. But like, I don't know. If my husband or boyfriend was obsessed with my sister. I think, honestly, I think the reason why he was so obsessed with her is because they looked just alike. And he can kind of like, because he didn't meet Carla until what? She was 18. Uh, I believe so, yeah. So by then she had been with a couple guys. She was basically, in his eyes, an adult. Mm-hmm. And then he could look at her little sister who was 14, a virgin, and say, hey, I can just, you know, I can have fantasies because they're basically the same person in his mind. Yeah. Um. So Tammy actually did wake up from the second time. Um, But immediately after, she ended up vomiting and ended up choking on her own vomit and then fell back out of consciousness. They tried to revive her, but they were fearful that the discovery um, of the discovery, basically, of Mm -hmm. what they've done. And they redressed her, cleaned up the crime scene, and then called an ambulance. Um, Shortly thereafter, she had passed away. And despite the presence of 
a large chemical burn on her face, they, <laughs> which obviously we know that it had to have been from the, 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 the rag that they held over her face. Yeah, the drugs that they gave her. Um, they ruled her death accidental choking caused by alcohol and induced vomit. That's that's why. Yeah, which is so crazy because, like, if they would have just looked a little further, they would have seen that she was sexually assaulted. Like, wh- you didn't look at this poor girl's face and say, didn't they? I think they tried to, like, play it off as she fell and it was a rug burn. I think that's what they, tr- they tried to say in the documentary was she fell on her face after passing out and she got a rug burn on her face. And I don't know if any of you guys have ever seen a chemical burn. It sure as hell does not look like a rug burn. Yeah, I just, I find that so crazy. And not only that, like, why wouldn't you look into that a little bit more? She was a 14-year-old or 13-year-old girl, and she was drinking eggnog with alcohol. Right. I I would have looked into that a little bit more, like a lot a bit more. Yeah, I mean, who gave her that alcohol? Exactly. You, even if it was her parents that gave her the alcohol, if she died because of it, they are at fault. Exactly. So I'm trying to figure out. I wonder if out. it's different because it's Canada. But in like the United States, if you're caught giving alcohol to minors and they get hurt or end up dead, you are doing jail time. Oh, and even for like parties, mm-hmm. um, for the wedding when we served alcohol, I had to take out an insurance thing for it because we were supplying alcohol. Yeah. And so that way, if something were to happen from someone leaving we would be covered. Yeah. I had to take it out on like my car insurance and shit. Stupid. <laughs> um so then Paul kidnapped 14-year-old Leslie Mahaffey in the early hours of June 15th of 1991. The teenager had attended the wake of a friend, which I'm assuming is just like a birthday party, and arrived home around 2 a.m. at the doors of her family home uh, where they were locked. And now, I don't know if you remember, I stated that her mom had set a curfew. And so she was like, you're pretty much sleeping out here. I'm locking the doors at this time. If you don't get here, you're sleeping outside, which in all honesty, like I I feel that because you need to teach your kids responsibility. However, I feel like it's really irresponsible, especially as a mother to not stay up. Right. And they were literally lived in the middle of a city like they were in the suburbs. Oh, yeah. Like out here, it's a little different because we're in the middle of nowhere. Right. But still, I wouldn't. Oh, I wouldn't child. either. I'd I'd make them sweat for a good 15 minutes yeah. or maybe even half an hour at the most. I was thinking like... maybe an hour, but I would be up. Oh, you yeah. know what I mean? Like I would be watching mm-hmm. from inside yeah. to make sure that nothing happened. I would never actually let my kids sleep outside. But we're not trying to put the blame on the mother because obviously she has to live with this for the rest of her life. And, uh, and she probably has a lot of mom guilt. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure that just the fact that, you know, she blames herself is probably, you know, incredibly just horrible, you know. But, I mean, it was just one of those situations where it's like uh, wrong timing, you know, wrong place, wrong time. And Leslie was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah. 
Yeah, which is unfortunate um, because it did lead to her death. Um, Bernardo did later admit um, that he was in the neighborhood that night. And so Paul ended up forcing her into his vehicle at knife point and then brought her back to the home that him and Carla had shared. Reportedly, they both sexually assaulted her. And according to the testimony in the case, Bernardo then strangled the teenager with an electrical cord and then dismembered the girl's body using a circular saw and then hid the body in a nearby lake um, covered in concrete. Like, like, where did he get the concrete? I'm just like, I never understood that in the documentary. It was like, where did he get the con- Where did he like set the concrete at because like obviously it's not going to set in the water you know yeah i'm wondering that too because i wonder i mean how long does it take for concrete to set at least a 24 hours i i think it depends on how thick it is honestly meaning he would have had to freaking had that shit in his garage just or he'd have to go out and buy it and you know yeah well you can buy that like powdered stuff yeah like for, bags of it yeah so he would have to freaking buy something to put her freaking in in and then i don't know that's so and i think that's like crucial because later on they try to say that it wasn't like they didn't they accidentally killed her but there's just signs pointing to like no this was all planned and thought out oh for sure um meanwhile they were planning their extravagant wedding Mm. during this time like because i don't know if you guys remember but paul is extremely wealthy yes Yes. Um, And the day that they ended up getting married is the day that the body of Leslie Mahaffey was found. Um, She was found by a couple that was paddling in Lake Gibson and found a chunk of concrete which contained parts of Leslie's remains. Um, Because Leslie had experienced some conflict with her parents prior to her disappearance, the police ended up thinking that she just ran away. Could you imagine being that detective? Because I think there there was an interview with the detective where a newspaper had called him and said, hey, is this a story that we need to write on? Like, is this a missing girl? And he legit told him, no, she's just a runaway. She'll show up. Could you imagine like three weeks or two or three weeks later finding her remains and thinking, holy shit, maybe we should have put it in the paper and made a deal out of this? Yeah. Yep, and they were only able to identify her remains by uh, orthodontic and dental records. Yeah, because she had braces, didn't she? Mm-hmm. And on April 16th of 1992, so just approximately like 10 months after Leslie was murdered, uh, they both took another 15-year-old girl who was named Kristen French. They took her from a church parking lot as the teenager was walking home from school while Carla pretended to need help with directions, Paul forced the girl into his vehicle and then took French back into their yeah, back in the, to their home. In the middle of the day. That's that's what just gets me about this one. Is it was in the middle of the day and no one saw anything? They were bold. Are we all so just so oblivious to the world that we don't see shit like this? Honestly though, yes. It's just sad. I I honestly feel that because even I do it. You're just like going through the motions and going through stuff and you just don't recognize stuff at all. Yeah. Um, It's just like a selfish trait of humans. Oh, just... 
Um, now, it doesn't say how long they had kept Leslie, um, but they, it says in the course of three days, the married couple had repeatedly assaulted Kristen. Um, he also made the teenager, uh, Kristen, wear a schoolgirl uniform that matched Carla's. And they wore that together while Carla sexually assaulted her and... And put it all on film. Yep, put it all on film. And he ended up doing the same thing. He strangled her with an electrical cord. And then they cut off her hair and left her in a ditch. And authorities recovered her body 11 days later. Um, The examiners found that... Kristen's body was covered in bruises and cigar burns, and the DNA discovered during the autopsy linked Kristen to the unknown assailant, um, authorities called the Scarborough Rapist, which we know is Paul Bernardo. Now, the Scarborough Rapist, um, we didn't know at the time if it was like a he or a she or whatever it was, you know, they... um, occurred the assaults occurred from May 19th of 1987 and through May of 1990 so it was so he stopped when he met Carla yes which no wonder why because she was down to do whatever sick shit that he wanted to do yeah so like in my notes right here I have you know he did all of this before he met Carla but all of his victims were under the age of 21. So this dude has some sick fetish with fucking kids. Yeah, for sure. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah, this guy's fucked up. Um, the task force formed to apprehend and identify the unidentified attacker. And two different people told law enforcement that they suspected that Bernardo, um, due to these tips, as well as... Um, like a composite sketch, which we posted the last time. Um, They, and with the help of like victims. um, Now remember too, Paul went into the police station. Yeah, he was questioned multiple times. Yes, the police did question him multiple times. And remember he was joking about how the composite sketch looked like him. Shocker. I wonder why. Yeah. He was like, oh, ha, ha, ha. That looks like me. And they ended up getting a DNA sample um, and they tested it against They tested it against the evidence taken from the victims. But the officials didn't compare the samples until 1992. So, they, again, just sitting on a cop's desk somewhere. Fucking drop the ball. I'm so tired of hearing this with these stories. Honestly, I feel like it's a pattern. It is. I was literally um, the movie that I was telling you about that John and I watched. We um, the cop was like not doing anything. And it's like, you know, it sucks that I'm not saying that there aren't good cops because I know there are good cops. But there are those few 
Mm-hmm. A handful of bad apples, that, so to say. That ruin the reputation for all of them and people that do stuff like this. They drop the ball. And I'm not saying that I'm a perfect person. I understand that there is, like, human error. Right, but this is their job. This, exactly. They're getting paid to do this specific thing. Yes. You are here to solve murders. You are here to solve crimes. Yes. What you doing, Furnace? Furnace. Did you say furnace? Yeah. I thought it, it like rolled off my tongue nicely. I, I liked it. I liked it. <laughs> okay. Um, so in December of 1992, my God, um, approximately two months after the investigation collected the DNA sample from Paul, um, they, I guess, were having a really difficult time because they were understaffed. So that could have been a reason, but. I mean, still no excuse Um, and overwhelmed with pretty much everything they had. Um, They compared his profile to the biological evidence taken from the previous victim. And on February 17th of 1993, law enforcement arrested Paul in his home and charged him with the 13 Scarborough attacks. The police also did suspect him in Kristen's case, um, but because they did discover his DNA on her. However, they did not have enough evidence at the time to charge him with murder. Which is crazy because it's literally DNA. You can't fabricate that shit. Yeah, I know. How did it end up on her if he'd never met this woman? Exactly. I feel the same way. And even so, I mean, I feel like there should be like a child molestation case or something. Something. Oh, yeah. I mean, you. she was raped and killed, but yet... You're not going to follow up on the fact that the DNA of the Scarborough rapist is also on this girl's body? Exactly. And she's was found dead. Like, I get it. You know what I mean? So now this is the part where it gets kind of like weird because um, you're probably thinking, well, hold on. Why isn't Carla being arrested? Well, they didn't know that she was a part of anything. Nope. She played the the beaten wife. Mm-hmm. But when when he was pulled in, Carla started singing. Oh, she was just a singing. I'm telling you now her singing and spilling the truth, giving the frickin piping hot tea to the frickin police was basically I want to say more of like a revenge. Oh, yeah. Than anything. Because guess what? Paul, he was no longer okay with Carla. He was beaten, Carla. Yeah, beat the shit out of her. I mean, I'm talking like the shit out of her. Partially dislodging one of her eyes from its socket. Mm -hmm. Like bruising all over her body. And she looked pretty bad, honestly. it just so happens that when Paul was arrested, guess who came forward with a face full of bruises? Ooh. Just to really like stick her story in, Mm -hmm. you know? When the hospital had released her, she did not return home. And she hired an attorney like soon after um like wait, right after law enforcement identified her husband as the prime suspect in the Scarborough case because uh, guess what Carla's not stupid mhm and she saw this and she thought huh, here we go i get to put the bastard away and you know what really burn if he got charged with murder too mhm and so she decided that she wanted to come forth and make a deal. So when she talked to the prosecutors, she pretty much left out, mm, I don't know, like a few major details. Um, 
obviously she didn't let them know what actually happened in the house. And that was going to be the way that she was going to get away with pretty much everything. Everything. Um, She was basically leading them to the evidence that was going to put the final nail in his coffin. Um, But she obviously wanted something in return, but they didn't know that she was also a part of it. And when I was searching this up, they actually (laughs) state that the deal that they made with her was making a deal with the devil. Oh, yeah. I mean, they they really fucked themselves over. They didn't they kind of jumped ahead without really looking but she was so convincing and so calm and you know she's definitely kind of I don't want to say she's the mastermind behind this because Paul obviously has his own sick ways Mm -hmm. but she was no innocent little kitten in this for sure no no not at all so the police did search the home um however they only found one videotape and of course it was the one that carla was performing oral sex on an unidentified young woman however in may of 1993 paul's attorney ken murray visited the home um and removed several vi- videotapes off of um that Paul had hidden in the bathroom ceiling. Yeah, because Paul found out that Carla had sent him this one videotape that showed her doing the least amount of damage. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know what? Fuck this bitch. Mm-hmm. And he sent his attorney and his his but what really kind of like dug the nail for both of them was that the fact that the attorney hid the tapes from the cops yes the the prosecutor kept them secret from the police and in september of 1994 um it says that paul's uh attorney murray resigned which i think he got fired oh he 100 percent got fired i think because he paul, told someone about the tapes and mm-hmm. they're like you're dumb i, I told yeah you I, can't withhold evidence yeah so um he gave the videotapes to his former client's new attorney john rosen who turned the tapes in to the authority later that month and when the investigators reviewed the tapes they found out that uh carla yeah She's not as innocent as what she said. But it was already too late because guess what? She signed that contract. Yep. They made that deal with her and there was recordings of both her and uh, Paul assaulting Leslie and Kristen. And of course, like I said, they already did that deal. So that was it. That's done. <laughs> um, But they... <sighs> Carla tried to flip the script on it and claimed that she was forced to do everything by Paul. And by Paul's attorney turning these in, it clearly shows that that was not the case. And during the trial, that's exactly what Paul and his attorneys wanted. They wanted to make it look like it was Carla who was the ringleader and Paul was just going along with everything she said. Which this uh the second girl um she was kidnapped by Carla. She was a gift for Paul. Paul didn't even know that Carla had kidnapped this girl. Yes. So you're telling me that you were forced to do these things, but yet you were like, "You know what? I know this is a bad idea. I know this is wrong, but I'm going to go take a girl for my loving husband because he deserves it." <laughs> yeah. 
So when law enforcement did review the tapes, uh, the details had been leaked to the press. And of course, there was like a public outcry due to Carla's short 12-year sentence. Despite the new evidence that appeared uh, to contradict her testimony, um, and also when Alexis and I watched the documentary, they had to turn the screens away from like the, I don't want to say audience, but like the people in the courtroom. Right. So only the jury could watch. And the jury had to watch all of the tapes. But get this. It was in the 90s, right? They didn't have Bluetooth headphones. So not only did the jury have to watch this tape, the father and mothers of the two murder victims had had to to listen. listen. Could you imagine? No. Because Leslie's mother, I guess, like the whole time Leslie was just crying for it to stop and for her mom basically she kept crying over and over for her mom and her mom actually had to get up and leave the courtroom and someone had to like carry her out of the courtroom oh i'm just i'm getting just goosebumps thinking about it like that's horrible honestly in all honesty i would probably be in prison as well because (laughs) i would kill somebody i would literally kill somebody yeah, I mean, if you had to sit there and listen to it, too. Yeah, I'd fucking and then kill somebody. Literally, I'm surprised that Carla's still alive to this day. Oh, yeah. You just freaking wait. Um, so we're now we're at 1995. Paul was convicted of the murder of Leslie Mahaffey and Kristen French and was given a sentence with the possibility of parole after 25 years. He also received a um, a sentence that after he admitted to having like the additional 14 victims he was deemed a dangerous offender and a special status reserved for the canadian offenders who are considered too violent to be released back into society yep he's never getting out however back in 2015 mm-hmm. he came eligible for a day parole Never knew this was a thing. Um, So basically, it's a type of conditional release that enables offenders to participate in activities in their community, which is fucking weird. Like, why would anyone want that? Right. That's just basically opening the fucking hell's gate and letting out all the damn demons and saying, hey, you guys get to party with these guys for a day. Don't do anything bad. You know, don't do anything that you were put in prison for life for. Yes. Yes. Um, But he was denied. And then back in 2018, he was denied both day and full parole. And he was available to apply again in 2020 as if that year wasn't fucking shit enough. Let's just fucking. (laughs) I'm surprised he didn't fucking get out with a shitty year that we had in 2020. They were like, we can't handle any more this year. They're you like, you got to stay. Add a little spice. <laughs> fucking. Um, now for Carla, she pl- pled guilty to manslaughter and received 12 years in prison. With in the possibility of parole after four. In exchange for agreeing to testify against Paul about his involvement with Leslie Mahaffey and Kristen French. And she claimed that Paul abused her and forced her to cooperate in these crimes. And in May of 1993, the authorities charged um, two counts of 
manslaughter while her husband was charged with dismemberment, two counts of first-degree murder, kidnapping, and aggravated sexual assault. Now, during Carla's time in prison, she was granted the divorce um, from Paul and in, in February of 1994, and she did maintain a romantic relationship and earned her degree in uh, psychology. Um, and in 2005, in, she was released from prison and she gave like a television interview shortly after she was freed. And then she went on to marry the brother of her former attorney. She has three children's to, three children's children together. Um, they did relocate out of the country and for like a period of time, but it seems like they're back in Canada. Mm-hmm. And she is not under um, Carla anymore. Her name is Leanne something. No. Yeah, which, by the way, didn't last very long. Because nope. guess what? The school that her kids go to, she was participating in like She was volunteering. Yeah. She was volunteering herself into like field trips and like all these different activities like bake sales and stuff like that no one knew who this woman was and then someone some amazing sleuth out there was like you look familiar and found out who it was and basically now she's rightfully shunned from the school she's not allowed yeah no it was because someone put a flyer up by the school and that someone like looked at it and was like so they decided the parent decided to Google it mm-hmm. and then found out and then everything just went freaking buck wild after that. Yeah. she. And could you imagine bringing three innocent children into the world and having to explain to them what horrible things you did? Because guess what? It's fucking 2000s. We're going to be able to internet you. Like your children is going to hear something at school and Google it immediately and know exactly who you are and what you did. Oh, and the press was hot on her ass too when she was dropping her kids off at school. And I just want to know what she told them. I, I hope to God that she didn't freaking tell them that. Oh, well, I'm just famous because you're not, bitch. No. You're, you're evil. You, yeah. You are not. You like, are what? trash. I can't even believe someone fucking married her. I can't believe that it was her attorney's brother. Yeah, I just mm, I You know what you you know that they do some sh- fucking creepy ass kinky shit. Oh, probably. Together. And you want to know the worst part? I forgot to mention this. Carla's parents didn't even know that she killed her sister. Yes, until the trials. Until the tips the the tapes came out and it was on tape of basically them killing her. Yeah. And they when they questioned Carla and she said that Paul had killed her sister and stuff like that. That's how her mom found out that her daughter was murdered and not just by her other daughter. Yes. Like how it's it it's worse to just I mean, it's bad to have a child and lose them in a way that is so unexpected. But then imagine being years down the road now and trying to heal from that and then freaking someone ripping that wound back open and Mm -hmm. saying your daughter and her husband killed your other daughter. 
Yeah, that's insane. That's crazy to me. And they were going on family vacations still and inviting them over for dinner and, you know, living like you do with your family as if they didn't just kill their little sister or their little sister-in-law in the basement right below them. Yeah. And, like, what did they do on the, like, anniversary of her death? Probably mourned. I <laughs> just – it's so fucking crazy to me. But – I totally recommend you guys. Where did we watch it? On Hulu? Yeah, it was on Hulu. You guys need to watch the documentary. It's so good. So twisty-turvy. Yes. And, I mean, there's people that are, like, their friends that come out and Not their friends anymore. It. They're yeah. friends when they were, you know. Yeah. <laughs> before they were convicted. Of I highly doubt that crap. bitch has any fucking friends now, so. Oh, not now. No. <laughs> They're like, fuck that bitch. Good. So... Next week is Alexis's week, so we'll be getting spooky, or we'll talk about a different area that's spooky, maybe. I don't know. I've been looking, and I think I'm going to leave it a surprise. Oh, I like surprises. <laughs> no, I don't. It gives me anxiety. Anyway, gives you anxiety. <laughs> it does. It really does. I'm not going to lie. But we will talk to you guys next week, mm-hmm. or tune in next week to listen to us chat about shit. Just random shit. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) that's what we do. Yes. So we will see you later. Bye.